There's a lot of things you might be not really living up to snuff about right now. Are you getting enough haircuts? Are you shaving enough? Are you keeping up with your personal hygiene? Well, one thing that you don't want to be a loser about is having that dirty car. Uh, you know, whether it's just driving around town, whether it's you picking up a friend, you want the clean car. And don't you want the sparkly clean car that you're proud of? Well, guess what? Tommy's Express Car Wash. They are going to hook you up with a great car wash that's going to get that car sparkly nice so that when you go to the store, everybody's looking at your car and says, oh, man, where did that guy get his car washed? It's wash, rinse, repeat at Tommy's Express Car Wash. You can download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy endless washing for one low price. That's right, endless washing for one low price with the Tommy Club app. It's unlimited car washes. Unlimited clean, shiny, and dry. Unlimited use of exclusive app lane. Unlimited access to all Tommy's Express locations, because there's a lot of them. Unlimited guest service. And most importantly, unlimited happiness. They've got the tools and expertise to keep your car clean inside and out. Their wash packages let you pay for the services you want, including Tommy Guard and Body Wax, wheel cleaning and tire gloss, underbody flush and spot free rinse, and vacuuming. So download the Tommy Club app today and enjoy that endless washing. Go to Tommy's Express Car Wash. All right, we got a lot of different things coming at you today, okay? And I'm just sensing a little bit of a lull right now. F*** that. You don't got time to say. All right, let's go. Crank it. Crank it, Glenn Cross. Woo! Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. You're listening to Rock Chalk Sports Talk with Nick Schwert and Derek Johnson on FM 1017 and 1320 KLWN. All right, excited for today's show. Uh, should have a good one. We're going to talk to Brandon McAnderson, former Kansas running back, Orange Bowl champ, coming up here in a little over half an hour. We'll get his thoughts on the news that college football could be moving towards, probably moving towards a 12-team college football playoff. We'll also get his thoughts on some things going on in the NBA because I know he is an NBA junkie. Last night, the Bucks beat the Nets 86-83, to two of the best offensive teams in the NBA couldn't buy a bucket last night. Brooklyn still leads the series two games to one, but the Bucks needed to have that. That was as bad as Brooklyn has looked all season. 83 points is the lowest point total they've had all year. They had 11 points at the end of the first quarter. Durant had seven points in the first half, and they still had a chance to win that game. They had the worst final possession that you could possibly imagine that ended with Bruce Brown trying to take the last shot over the outstretched arms of seven-foot Brooke Lopez. And yes, Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will were still on the court, but it was Bruce Brown who took that shot. You look at it, the Suns looked really locked in right now. Uh, Donovan Mitchell is on an absurd run for the Jazz. But it's really hard to imagine anyone other than the Nets winning it all this year. They're just too good. And they don't even have James Harden right now. And quite honestly, I don't know if they need him. If you told me right now that James Harden is not coming back and is not playing at all in the postseason, I would still very comfortably pick the Nets to go on to win it all. And it's mostly because Kevin Durant is the best player in the league right now. And he showed that last night with... A really solid effort in the fourth quarter just wasn't quite enough. 
the favorite wins the title in the NBA almost every single year. And if you were one of those people like me who coming into the postseason was sort of holding out hope that LeBron would just kind of will will that team to another finals run, then you probably thought that maybe there was a, a little bit of a chance that we didn't know who was going to win it all. But with the way the Suns dismantled them, and unless you're you're a truther that the Suns are really going to be able to take down the Nets, which, you know, make that argument if you want. I, I just don't see it happening. But every single year in the NBA, we see the team or the teams that we think are going to compete for a title end up competing for a title. And it's why, over the past decade or so, the growing theme with that sport has been that you don't need to pay attention in the regular season. Tune in in the postseason. That's where all the action happens anyway. Over half the teams make it to the postseason, so therefore it doesn't really matter what goes on in the regular season. You can be a team like the Lakers, who are clearly one of the better teams in the NBA, sneaking as a seventh seed. Anthony Davis was injured. Things happen, whatever. Your season's over. But you go back over the years, and year after year, it's tough to find surprises. The closest you could probably get recently would be 2019 in Toronto, but then again, they had Kawhi Leonard. They had a really good culture. And you look at what happened to the Warriors in the postseason. They weren't really facing a full-strength team with Kevin Durant and Klay Thompson and Steph Curry. The Nets are too good. The Nets are good. They're the best team. I actually think that they're too good. And I'm not saying that in the sense of when we talk about UConn. Are they, is this bad for the sport? Because I don't really care about that. The sport's not going to change. It is what it is. I'm saying purely from an entertainment standpoint, from fans, the product that we're watching sucks because we know who's going to win. And that's more common than we tend to make it out to be. College basketball is the most random sport that we have. It was kind of a surprise that we got Gonzaga and Baylor. It's what we all wanted. We were robbed of that game in the regular season. They were clearly the two best teams all season long. But very rarely does that result in being the championship matchup. In college football, though, we get that without fail. In the seven years of the college football playoff, the eventual national champions have a combined regular season record of 84-4. and And those eventual national champions, last three years, haben't lost a game. 15-0, 15-0, 13-0. So those four losses were one-loss teams each of the first four years of the college football playoff. What's even crazier, though, is the teams they beat in the title games had a combined regular season record of 82-2, and so even better. They just happened to lose in the title game. So that's a combined record of 166-6 and of teams who have played in the college football playoff national championship. 166 wins to six losses. So the average loss for a team that plays in the college football playoff championship is less than half. 0.4. We know who the best teams in college football are without exception every single year. And much like the NBA, it's not fun. You can say it's a deserving champion. If the Nets win it all, no one's going to say, ah, but there will be no but. They are the best team in the league. The same way when Alabama or Clemson wins it every single year. If you're going back and forth and saying, I don't really know which one of those teams is better. They'll decide it in the national championship game and we'll say, yeah, that was the best team. So with this push 
and this recommendation to move to a 12-team playoff, the question that I have is, is that going to change? Because I believe that is the biggest reason for this recommendation, is that the powers that be in college football understand that you have got a sport where fans are as knowledgeable and as passionate as the fan bases in any other sport. They care more. It's deeper than just, I've rooted for this team, right? It feels like it's blood. Yet, when you get to the postseason, it feels significantly less important than what happens for the three months that precede it. My question is, will this push for a 12-team playoff change that reality? Will it change the reality of teams being too good to, for it to be entertaining? Not that they're not deserving. Not that it's not the best way to find who your champion is. But on a basic entertainment level, will this change the idea that the sport has grown stale and that we sort of know who the national championship is, champion is going to be at least amongst two, three, sometimes four teams, months before the championship game even rolls around. Is that reality going to change? Um, as far as, like, who we're seeing still in the championship game and, like, who's winning it all, no. At least not in the short term. Because, like, if you go back and look at the two teams who played in the college football playoff title since 2014, 44-3 were those teams' records combined against top 15 opponents those seasons. Not counting the game they played against each other. 44-3. and three. And in theory, you're playing top 15 opponents when you're in, whatever, the round of whatever they call it, round one, round of 12, um, and the quarterfinal round. So even then, they're not tripping up. Now, maybe you will get an extra here or there. An Alabama gets upset by Ole Miss every now and then. You know, maybe you get that once in every blue moon. But at least for the now, it won't have an effect on that. What it will have an effect on is something that you're getting to you get into November, and there are certain parts of the country that start tuning out college football from a national level a little bit more, right? doesn't really apply to Southeast. They're always in it. But, like, you look at the West Coast. You looked at uh, some areas in the North in the Central region where it's like, well, nothing left to root for at this point. You know, we're completely out of it. We have two losses. Sorry. Oklahoma lost. Oklahoma went one and two to start this past season, and then they just went on a roll from there. But doesn't matter, you know. We're out. We're done. Um, you get that back, and then I think eventually, by having that go on, by having instead of every week on the college football ranking show where they're only talking about five, six teams, and it's the same five, six teams. Now we're talking about twelve teams. Now we're talking about fifteen teams to make it into the twelve. We're talking about the entire top twenty-five because if you're ranked top twenty-five. You're two weeks away. You're two good wins away from maybe being able to be in the top 12. All of a sudden, you have more interest from everybody. You have more coverage for everybody. And I think over the long term, maybe it's 10, 15, 20 years, it does have an impact. Because you think back to, like, UCLA. UCLA, this is basketball. With John Wooden, they were winning title every year. They're going undefeated pretty much every year. Tournament was was shortened. It was, what, eight teams? 16, I think. 16? And then eventually you expand. And eventually, college basketball gets more coverage for other teams. And eventually, you're at a 32-team tournament. And then a 64-team tournament. Now a 68-team tournament. And there is more parity. 
So it takes time. It won't happen overnight. It won't happen in four years. It won't happen in five. Maybe 15, 20 years down the road, we are talking about a different story. Yeah, I think about it in terms of when the Cincinnati's and the UCF's and the Memphis's, when they are now included into the playoff format. And we can all say this is fair. At the very least, this is going to be decided on the field. No longer are we going to have, not the questions of would UCF beat in Alabama, because that seems like a silly question, but just the idea that at least you'll have a chance to prove it. Nobody's going to give you a chance, but you want the chance? Now you've got it. But unlike in the NFL where you could get a, a 9 or a 10 or an 11 win team that may be a wild card team or that may be a 4 or 5 seed, every once in a while, those teams will go on a run and they'll win a title mm-hmm. like the, the Giants did. Giants, Steelers did it in yeah. 06, yeah. It doesn't happen often, but it can happen. I don't think that's ever going to happen in college football. Ever. Ever. Not once. They may win that first game. UCF is not going to win a 12-team playoff. Memphis, Cincinnati, they're not winning a 12-team playoff. 166-6, and Derek. That's the combined record. Going into the playoff. That's just regular season. So six losses. And you got to ask yourself... Is the inclusion of those teams, and you gave the record of them against top 15 teams, is the inclusion of those teams going to change that reality that all of a sudden Alabama is going to slip up against a team that's ranked 9th or 10th or 11th? And, I mean, statistically, historically speaking, the answer is no. It will not change anything. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, They're going to wax those teams. It's just an extra game that they have to win for the right to go compete for an actual title. Yeah, again, I I think that it won't have that short-term aspect. But keep in mind, like, it always hasn't been like this. This is just like a college football playoff thing. So to act like what has happened over these past seven seasons with the playoff is going to always be and always was, that's not totally true. And keep in mind, too, like, when they expand the playoff, that is partially also going to coincide with, like, I don't know. At some point, Nick Saban's going to retire. And, like, what is that? Does that have ripples of effects into here? But, like, you go back to even just the BCS, for instance. Like, think about how many different teams won national titles during the BCS that have just been nowhere to be seen during the college football playoff era, right? Like, you have you have Texas, who I think I saw this actually really funny. Uh, I, I think, like, Max Olson for The Athletic tweeted out, like, because they actually went back and did scenarios with playoff committee members to, like, figure out who would have made it in all these different years. Texas would have never made it going back to, like, 2010 or 2011 or something <laughs> like that, which is is funny. But um, you have Texas winning one. You have Tennessee winning one. You have USC. Like, none of those Florida State won it the year before. The- Florida State, yeah. Like, Auburn was in a title game, and I guess Auburn's been kind of close. But you could keep going down the list. Like, Miami, teams that were in BCS titles where – yeah, maybe they would have, like, the dynastic run of two or three years that Alabama's had, but it hasn't been for seven, eight, nine, ten years. So I, I don't think just because what we've seen over these last seven years with the playoff means that it's going to continue forever. Doesn't this signal, if this does get passed, which I keep throwing out the caveat this is just a recommendation, but the honest truth is that they're not recommending this if they think there's a chance it's not going to pass, right? Do you think this is a signal that Conference commissioners are willing to trade conference championships, conference championship games 
for more inclusion in the playoff, for more interest around the sport, because this is going to eventually kill off conference championship games. Even if it, even if the conference championship games still actually exist, Georgia's going to lose to Alabama in the SEC title game and get it as the eighth mm-hmm. seed. That's like that's going to happen. Same right. thing with the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin's going to lose in the Big Ten title game to Ohio State and get in as the 11th seed, which makes the conference championship games incredibly mm-hmm. anticlimactic. S- now, for the Big 12 and other conferences, like where it's the only bid you're going to get, yes, that's still going to matter. But for the top dogs, like the Big Ten and the, the SEC have been the power players that kind of control all of the decisions. The reality for them isn't going to change all that much. And in fact, those champion games are going to mean a hell of a lot less knowing that, yeah, maybe you're fighting for a bye or maybe you're fighting for a home game. But the idea that you're still going to be alive in the hunt for a national championship, that has never been the case. Like you lose that game, you're probably out. I don't know. Have there been any occasions? Has there been one where a team lost in a, in a conference championship and made the college football playoff? Um, the no, because the Georgia Alabama year the only where one they I both was thinking made it, of. but they didn't play. Alabama didn't play in the conference title. That's right. Um, no, this year Notre Dame lost to Clemson. Kind of weird. Their first yeah, ever very conf- weird. <laughs> this is their first ever <laughs> conference title game appearance, and they lost, and they still made it in, and probably yeah. their last conference title game appearance. Yeah. But I, I guess I, I still just think that, like, okay, I went back and looked. Like with the BCS, you had. 17 different teams who made a BCS title appearance. That's 17 years of the BCS. So on average, you had a new team every year. Like, what has changed? What has gone so What has gone so different over these past seven years, right? Well, I know this isn't exactly what you're asking, but something I think about all the time is that seven years ago, if you would have said... Nick Saban is the greatest coach in college football history. People would have said, ah, easy. Seven years ago, if you would have said Clemson is one of the elite powers in college football, people would have said, what? Like, we think of those two things as unalienable truths now. They were born out of the college football playoff. I know that's not exactly what you're asking, but you want to know what's changed? The college football playoff, and you could say, well, this would have been the case no matter what, but... The reality is those three those things go hand in hand. Once the college football playoff came around, Clemson went from a nice up and coming program to one of the elite powers, like the elite of the elites. You can count them on one hand the, the number of teams were in that club. And Nick Saban has become arguably the greatest college football coach still, in the history of the sport. Like, that's what I'm saying. You go back in the BCS era and because if, if this was the BCS, we still would have got the Alabama-Clemson titles most of the years. Like, those were still the number one, number two teams. So, what changed? Because we didn't have that in the BCS. Like I said, we were getting seven, 17 different teams over 34 possible selections. Half of the teams were, a, were, were basically new teams. If I told you over the next, okay, I think it's 78% of the college football playoff spots have went to five teams. It's crazy. Alabama, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma, and Notre Dame. Now, the next two years are going to be the same. Like, the next two years are going to be 14 playoffs. 
But if I told you over the first seven years of this expanded playoff, if we are to assume that this new playoff will take, will start in 2023, would you, like, how much do you think that number is going to change? Because I think it's going to be pretty damn close. Like those teams are still in 80%, basically. I think what we'll, what we'll see, here's going to be the big difference, is like that fourth spot may be a new team who snuck in just for the privilege of getting their ass kicked by Alabama or Clemson or Ohio State in, like, the semifinal game. I think there's going to be more than you. Not, the same not, way it happens in college basketball where a team will go on a run to a Final Four and then they face one of the top dogs. And then they face, like, that next tier yeah. of great teams. And then all of a sudden, it ain't happening anymore. I think we've seen, though, that usually the team who's the four seed and in a lot of years the three seed, too, has been a lot closer to that pack of, like, five to eight than it is one to two. Yeah. So I, I think the one and two, you know, it'll still just be one and two. Even if it's not actually ranked one and two, but if yes, they're the, the perceived right. the perceived one like and Alabama's two. Alabama's been a four seed before in the playoffs, but it's like they were they were favored in both mm-hmm. games they played. So the same way like some years it's like it's like this past year with Clemson and Ohio State, mm-hmm. it was like, what's the difference there? And you could have reasonably thought that Clemson was going to win that game and then afterwards it's like, oh yeah. never mind. No, same way with the NBA, like we were talking about earlier. Brooklyn's the two seed in the East. They're favored to win the title. Nobody's going to question that. Right. Nobody's going to question that. By the way, I kind of skimmed past this, but we know that the playoff is going to stay the way it is at least for the next two years. And the reason for that is because of the bowl rotations. They want to make sure that some bowls aren't getting more conference or some college football playoff appearances over others. So we know for at least the two year, next two years it's going to be four. So 2023 would be the earliest that they could move to a 12-team playoff. But that doesn't necessarily mean it will happen in 2023 because the current contract runs through 2025. So if they want to like to wait that long, at which point you could probably get more money because when the contract's up with ESPN, you can go out there and sell it to the highest bidder. I'm sure Fox would want to get in on it. I don't really know who else. Like, I can't imagine CBS is going to... NBC might try to... I wonder if they'd be like, we want Notre Dame's game or something. Because they, they carry all the Notre Dame games. I don't know if they'd let them. Probably not. I would assume it's going to be an all-or-nothing package, but with an expanded deal, maybe there's more moving parts like that. So if you want to get more money, that's probably the way to do it. I just can't imagine you're going to make this announcement now and then say, see you in six years. Right? right? Because that at that be point, every fan's going right? to say... Every fan is going to say at that point, if you're making this decision... Because it's growing stale. Because people are getting bored watching the same two or three teams compete for a title every single year. Then why kick the can down the road five years? Because this is as quickly as we've ever seen something move for something that we thought was going to take a long time to happen. In the span of a couple of months, it moved from maybe this is coming down the road to no, it's being recommended now and it could happen in two years. Just given the... the sort of the rapid evolution of this, I think if this does get passed, which I imagine it will, I think they're going to start it in 2023. I don't think they're going to wait three more years after that. I agree, but it would not surprise me because this is the same sport that schedules games for 2034. That's true. And I don't know if those same decision makers are the same ones who are making these sorts of decisions, but... If it's all about interest and it's all about boredom and it's all about improving the product, I would imagine you want to do that as quickly as you possibly can. We'll talk more about it with Brandon McAnderson. He's going to join the show coming up here in about 15 minutes. He's Derek Johnson. 
I'm Nick Schwert. This is Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Support for today's episode comes from Manscaped. Father's Day is just around the corner, and you probably need a gift for a hairy dad. Make your dad proud this year and get him and yourself the Manscaped Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package. You know what they say, like father, like son. The brand new Lawnmower 4.0 and Ultra Smooth Package is perfect for you and the dad in your life to complete your grooming game. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code RCST at manscaped.com. The Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer is now available in the USA and Canada. What makes this waterproof trimmer different from all other trimmers? The 7,000 RPM trimmer features skin-safe technology to keep your balls in check and helped reduce manscaping accidents around the world. A new multifunction on-off switch can engage a travel lock created for jet setters. The Lawnmower 4.0 gives you the ability to turn the 4,000K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave with additional guard lengths with sizes 1 to 4 to let you trim to your liking. Stop imagining your dad has it covered because guess what? He probably doesn't. Get 20% off plus free shipping when you use the code RCST at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com when you use the code RCST. It's dad bod season. Time to get smooth. Kansas would have been a part of the playoff. They would have hosted... A playoff game against, what was it, West Virginia, who would have been the nine seed, in Memorial Stadium. A postseason game in Lawrence. Brandon McAnderson would have been on that field. He would have played in that game. He joins us now on Rock Chalk Sports Talk. What do you think that would have been like, playing a postseason game at home in Lawrence? I can't imagine. I mean, just having the opportunity, just imagining what that Mizzou game would have been like if we'd have had a home game. You know, I feel like you can amplify that by 20 and probably would have been maybe the most special experience in Memorial Stadium history. The big thing with college football has been that the regular season matters more for college football than it does any other sport. We were just talking about that earlier. Every other sport, we talk about how the postseason is is more exciting. Like the NBA right now. A lot of people just resign to the fact that you don't have to pay attention to the regular season. You'll just tune in when the playoffs start. It's the exact opposite for college football. Do you think that reality changes at all with a 12-team playoff? And if so, does does that matter? Is that necessarily a bad thing? So the the 12-team playoff, I think, will be awesome for some of those teams on the fringe, you know, to get an opportunity to compete at a level that they've been campaigning to compete at, and it's just not been available to them. Um, so I would be excited for them to have that opportunity. And I think it just makes it better for the fans just because football is one of those things that, you know, you just never know until you play. And I'd like to see some of these teams get the opportunity, you know, that year that Memphis had a really strong season, uh, the year UCF had a really strong season, Boise State's had a few. I'd just like to see them get the chance. I don't think it necessarily would change anything at the top, especially with the top four getting buys, but it, it would be more fun and it would be, It'd be just be a wider field and more inclusive. Well, that's the point, right? Is that it's kind of grown stale over the seven years of this playoff, knowing that, you know, three fourths of those spots are going to be taken up by the same teams year after year after year. And I think a lot of fans just get bored with the idea that we sort of know who the players are going to be. You kind of hinted at it there, but do you think that reality changes at all 
yes, those Boise States and the Memphises and the UCFs will get the chance to decide it on the field as opposed to having to have the you know, debates at the end of the season as to what would have happened if they were given a chance. But do you think it's going to change the reality of the power players still sort of dominating the championship games year after year? I don't. I don't think it'll change the result. Um, but I do, like I said, I think it's just, it's just fun. And, like, why shouldn't that be a factor? Like, why shouldn't more fun yeah. be a factor in how we determine how we're going to do these things? Because sometimes we look at these rules and – and how we enforce these rules. And sometimes like, it's fun <laughs> and they take it away. Like I know just recently the Brooklyn Nets um, put up that clock uh, in their stadium when Giannis was shooting free throws <laughs> because he was taking forever. And the league asked them to stop. <laughs> and it's like, that was fun. Mm-hmm. You know, like that's, there's nothing wrong with, you know, there's more, there's more to it than money. The money's going to be good. Let's, let's talk about, you know, something for the viewers, something for the players that'll be, you know, once in a lifetime uh, for some fan bases as well. It's kind of surprising though, because, you know, you mentioned the Nets. I brought them up earlier because last night they lose, what was it, 86 to 83, but it actually left me feeling more confident that the Nets are going to win it all than I ever have been. I was like, if that's their worst, if that's as bad as they can get and they still lose by three and had a chance to win if uh, somebody not named Bruce Brown ends up trying to take the game-winning shot at the end of the game, maybe they do end up winning. And it's not fun. Like, I'm not saying that the Nets aren't deserving, but it's not fun knowing, like, sitting here in the second round of the playoffs just saying, like, I'd be pretty surprised if they lost four of seven games at any point. And that's not to say that they're not deserving, but it's really... Like, college football is one of the few sports where every single year, and the NBA is kind of like it as well, like, the team who wins, there's never any debate. Like, you'd have to go back a ways to find the last NBA team or the college football team that won it all where we looked at them afterwards and said they they weren't the best team in their sport this year. So that's kind of the, the philosophical question you have to answer as a fan or as a critic is, what do you want? Do you want to see the most deserving team win every year, or do you just want the format that's going to bring the highest entertainment value? Man, it's hard to say because you know how this goes. You once people start winning, you get tired of them. You know, so it doesn't matter how what this what time that is. But if you're looking at it and you're like, okay, so what are the circumstances surrounding this? A lot of people will look at it and say, well, I'm tired of seeing Alabama. You know, like that's not like a real. That's not like a uh, an opinion with any nuance or, right. you know, with any information, but you're just tired of seeing the same team. And I think there's just like this national fatigue, but that's not going to change because there's 12 teams. So, and it's, and a lot of the times the, the results not going to change. So I think that they should be playing uh, for entertainment value because, or for fan experience or for more money for tickets, you know, for home games, because, that's kind of the point. <laughs> Sports are a leisure activity. It's fun. People want to to escape their lives and have this be a part of this entertainment event, uh, especially people that just love football, regardless of the fans. Um, so I think sometimes you look at the data and the data says nothing has really changed. But that can't take into a, to account all the people that it's impacted from that fan base or all the people that were on those teams that have these lifetime experiences now. So I think it's definitely worth it to expand put yourself in that in that position back in 08 so you guys 
lose to Missouri, yet you're still you're not even playing in the conference championship yet. You're still going on and and competing in a college football playoff. So, do you? I don't know how you how teams are going to view this because you guys finished the season with an Orange Bowl victory, like you finished it on the best crescendo that you could have had given the circumstances. And if playoff, like you could win that game, but you'd have to keep winning, right? You'd have to go on and win the next game. Do you feel like it's going to, like, we're going to remember teams differently? Or if you're a player, your sort of memory of that season is going to be altered significantly if you don't just get to end the season and say, we won the Orange Bowl and that was it, versus we won the Orange Bowl and then we had to go play Ohio State in the quarterfinals or something like that. Like, how do you think that's going to affect the guys who are actually competing? I don't think it'll affect them at all. I think that we, the us being selected for the Orange Bowl was significant, you know, because it's the Orange Bowl one and two because it's, you know, it's the gold standard for Kansas football, being that the '68 team made it and wasn't able to win. So there was more than just it was the Orange Bowl. But to be honest with you, our feeling in the locker room was very anticlimactic. Really, you know, like if we would have went to the Cotton Bowl, we'd have been like, "Oh, Cotton Bowl, that's cool." Going to Dallas, woohoo! You know, so there was kind of like, I think that the bowl game was in Florida and it was an Orange Bowl and it was the Orange Bowl kind of helped. But I remember giving a speech before that game that was basically like, you know, if we don't win this game, our season doesn't matter. You know, it doesn't matter that we won those games because we didn't win on the biggest stage. But that's really all it was for me. You know, and in in retrospect, it was like we won an Orange Bowl. But in real time, it's like we want to win a championship. We want to win the championship. We feel like we're one of the best teams. We want an opportunity to compete for, and we had it, and we lost it. So we were more – it was more bittersweet than anything else. And in preparation, you know, we kind of Michael Jordan did and found all these little nuggets of motivation, people saying we weren't this and weren't that, and then it became something else. But I think our initial reaction, we were going to down the dumps. Like, we wanted to play for a title. Do you guys think you would have competed for a title? If, if this format were around, would you have given your guys – uh, a serious chance of of winning it all. I do, and the reason I do is because we had a defense that you could not grind out a win against it. It didn't matter who you were. So, like Virginia Tech was known as this ground and pound special teams, strong defense. That's how they got to where they got. I just don't think that people could consistently run the ball against our defense and get the results that they wanted. And if you're running the ball consistently and not getting the results you wanted and you're facing a team that averages 45 points a game, 42 for whatever it was, then I think we'd have a pretty good chance to beat anyone. And if you look at LSU and Ohio State, who were the two teams in the final that year, you know, Ohio State was built around Beanie Wells, and uh, LSU was built around power defense, power run and defense, and that's just not a recipe for beating us. Um, so I think that we would be able to be both of those two. Talking to Brandon McAnderson here on Rock Chuck Sports Talk. I know you've been tuned into the playoffs, so I want to talk a little uh, NBA action with you before I let you go. What individual player do you think has been most impressive so far in the NBA postseason? So it's kind of a complicated answer. I would say that it's it's KD and Donovan Mitchell. I'd say Donovan Mitchell because it's new. You know, this guy is like, okay, so this is more than just some bubble fluke. This is more than just, you know, what he was a couple years ago. This feels like a real superstar jump in terms of just being able to get buckets any way possible. I mean, he had the Clippers with, you know, George, 
Kawhi, Beverly, first team defense, all three of them at some point in their career, recent career. And they had to go to a 2 3 zone. <laughs> there, was a, there was no answer for him. So I've been really impressed by him. The other one is KD. And, I, and it really makes you feel like, as a fan, like we lost some great KD moments in that in those Golden State years. Because even this team, if that if they had James Harden last night, then we wouldn't have seen that version of Kevin Durant. He literally did everything. Like he defended the rim. You know, he was contesting passes. He was hitting ridiculous shots. I think they said 80% of his threes this season, this playoffs have been contested. He's shooting 55%. So it's like I think he's at a level that that he hasn't been required to get to that often, and I think that as a fan, I I think we've been fortunate that Harden is not around because now they actually need him at his best every game. Even though that wasn't a you know I know people are online saying it wasn't an entertaining game. I mean it was like throwback night. It was like a yeah. '90s playoff game. I mean guys missing wide open shots, guys damn near fighting. Um, you know, people dribbling off their shoes, with ball rolling around, you know, Giannis having no problem solving skills offensively. Oh I, it gosh. felt like a 90s game. But the part that stood out was like Kevin Durant was like so tough and like so okay with the physical part of the game. He was hitting these ridiculous shots. He was defending it. I just thought he was out of this world. I know this isn't necessarily fair because I know the answer to the question, but I couldn't help last night watching especially the tail end of that game, wondering how did this man, how did Giannis win back-to-back MVPs? Because he felt very outmatched. I think you put it well that he didn't really seem to know how to get out of a jam late in that game. That was kind of hard to watch. It was hard to watch. Now, I'm not going to say why he won, did, won those MVPs, just because it's, it's a regular award. Yeah. a league where a lot of the star players, as they age, devalue the regular season. So him being 25, 26, he, he's not reached that point of his career. So he's going balls to wall, you know, trying to prove himself and putting up great numbers. He did again this year. I mean, his numbers were comparable to to, uh, to Jokic. Um, not an impact, but just in terms of raw numbers. So I, I – is that there's just part of their game. There's a huge hole in their game that has like a simple fix to it. You know, like his – he is constantly trying to go around people. You know, like he is that mm-hmm. Euro step thing – or that, that lean where he kind of flips the ball underneath the guy's uh, arm. Dog, it's Blake Griffin. You're three <laughs> inches taller than him. You're stronger than him. You're faster than him. Shoot a jump hook. Like, go watch some Thomas Robinson film on some high-low. Like, they should be running KU's offense with Brooke Lopez and Giannis. They should be running high-low and with Lopez at the three and then just dumping it down and him just taking a drop step and shooting a jump hook. It's the solution. His problem is... The, the Nets, basically, in the regular season, were like, we know what we want to do to him. We're just not going to do it. We're just going to play him straight up. So in the regular season, what he was like, average like 40 and 17 against the Nets. In the playoffs, they're simply just standing in the spots that he likes to play, and he does not know what to do. There'll just be an extra guy standing there, and he's like, wait, that guy hasn't been there all year. What do I do? And he, he tries to go around. I'm like, <laughs> go back and watch some t- early 2000s Shaq. And just go through his yeah, man, that was that was tough. Watching him just like back up like that, like you knew that wasn't that wasn't going to no. end the way he wanted it to. Okay, so they still got the win last night. Oddly enough, even though it doesn't really feel like it. Uh, so of the teams who started down 2-0, so Milwaukee, L.A. now down 2-0, Denver's down 0-2. I guess I should say. 
you give any of those teams a chance to come back and win the series? I would say that I would give the Clippers a slightly better chance only because um, I don't know why I'm giving the Clippers. I mean, they shot, I mean, they had five guys shoot over 46% from three in the regular season. So that's, just, all, that's a big just, number. It's just star power, right? Like they've got, yeah, they've star got power stars. That those they other got teams shooting. don't. Right. They got the stars. They got the shooting. I guess my issue with them is that, you know, the Jazz didn't play well in either game and they won both of them. And Mike Conley didn't play well. He didn't play at all in either game. So their their secondary facilitator didn't play. And then the collectively, they didn't play that well. I mean, it's not like they were on fire in either one of those games. So I think that's my concern is that a team that set an NBA record for threes in a regular season has not really gotten crazy hot like they're used to. And I think that if you're trying to win four out of – if you're trying to win – four out of the remaining five six games i think it's a it's a tougher task when the team is that capable of shooting threes like the jazz are he's brandon mcanderson you can hear him game days during football season on the jayhawk radio network doing sideline work you can hear him here on rock chalk sports talk on fridays b mac thanks for the time man appreciate it dude all right man appreciate you all righty that is brandon mcanderson with Derek johnson i'm nick schwartz you're listening to rock chalk sports talk I just asked Brandon McAnderson who he thought was most impressive in the playoffs. He did not answer Joel Embiid, who has a pretty firm argument. Embiid finished second in MVP voting this year. You could argue he's been even better in the postseason, averaging 29 points, eight rebounds per game. He scored 39 in game one against the Hawks. And in game two, he topped that by putting up 40 and 13. And they will play game three tonight at 6.30. We give the Sixers any sort of a shot to beat the Nets? I do. But but also, this might be just a trap. I feel like I do this every year. The same thing we talk. It's, it's like me trying to drum up parody in my head. Oh, of course the team is not a favorite could lose. If they never blah, blah, happens. And then it never happens. It's not about I know we all understand how it works, but like when you just say it out loud of the Nets are gonna lose four of seven games. Really? Against who? The yeah. six are like, come on. Well, because that's the thing. I mean, Kevin Durant looks like the best player in the world right now. Yeah. Okay. Have the best player in every series. And then you're gonna have, if not the I don't know. You'll have three of the top four in every series as well. Like last night was as bad as the Nets can look, and they almost won. And they might. What, what's the timetable on James Harden's return? I guess that's return? the big if, right? If James Harden doesn't come back, then yes, I think the Sixers can beat him. But the Sixers are still. If if they could, if they announce today that James Harden is not playing again this year, the Sixers are still the or the the Nets are still the betting favorite to win it all, aren't they? I don't know. I don't actually think I believe that. Because here's the thing. Unlike the Suns, and the like the Suns have been great. They had a great season. Same with the Jazz. There's just part of me that says that's going to look different against a better team. You know, you, you went up against an injury-riddled, checked-out Lakers team in the first series, and now you're, you're 
doing to Denver what I thought was going to happen to Denver in the first round, which is they're going to look a little bit mortal without Jamal Murray. But with the Nets, it's like, what do you do against, like, how much of that is going to work against the firepower that they bring to the table? Well, the thing that's going for the Sixers is they're like the perfect clash in styles against them because everything we talk about with the Nets offense is the Sixers defense. Joel Embiid is the best. I mean, whatever. You want you can call Rudy Gobert the best defensive center in the NBA and that's that's fair. Joel Embiid is is next. Um Ben Simmons might be the best wing defender or perimeter defender in the NBA or most versatile defender in the NBA cuz he literally can guard 1 through 5. Matisse Thybulle is like a all NBA first team defensive player. You can have 3 of the top 5 defensive players on one team on the Sixers and they also have Danny Green who is like one of the better defensive shooting guards in the NBA so got a lot of defense on that team somebody just came and dropped a package off (laughs) for me it says it's a manila envelope it says Nick Fragile Fragile underlined Uh it feels like a gift it says gifts on it it says gifts and surprises huh do you have a secret lover it's (gasps) are these the feet pictures this is going to be really hard for me to get through the rest of the segment without opening that. It's literally standing right on the window. It's look. It's teasing you. It's right next to my face on the other side of a, a double-pane glass window, but we have bigger things to worry about right now. Yesterday, I gave the 10 worst things about summer, and I felt like it was a very, it cast a very negative shadow over this show. And I felt bad about it, and I've thought a lot about it over the last 24 hours. So in order to counteract that, I thought we'd come back today. Never do this. Back-to-back Let's Rank Stuff in another edition of the most self-explanatory segment in the history of Sports Talk Radio. I'm going to give you the 10 best things, the 10 best things about it being summer. Let's Let's end the week on a positive note. Let's go. Number 10. Number 10, not having to wear a coat anywhere. It's such a beating during the winter months is having to go somewhere, wear a coat, and then you have to worry about, what am I going to do with this the rest of the night? You're at a bar. You're at a sporting event. Like, there's not, like... There used to be coat checks everywhere. They don't do coat checks anymore unless you're going to, like, some fancy speakeasy. Well, that's because they all were fancy bars, you know? Now, you think in, like, the 1950s, they had, like, a a brother's, you know? It's not really the case. Probably not. So, summer, don't have to worry about that. No coat, no problems. That's number 10. Number nine. Number nine, going to baseball games. I would contest. Baseball games, the the thing that people forget about baseball games as to why they're so fun, because a lot of people agree that I don't really like watching baseball, but I like going to games. Baseball games are more casual than NFL games. You can't just go to an NFL game and hang out. (laughs) I guess you could in an NBA game, but we don't really have those around here, so they're not really in our conscious. With baseball games, you can just go and hang out and not really pay attention to anything that's going on on the field. That is what makes baseball games so much more fun than every other aspect of baseball. Therefore, baseball games number nine. I would argue baseball games, though, would be better in the fall because it would be a little cooler weather, and that means you're probably in the playoffs. Yeah, but it could be too cold. You didn't think about that. Mm. You don't want that. Number eight. Number eight, grilling. You can grill in the winter. It just doesn't really feel right. Going outside, sitting on the patio, sitting in the backyard, grilling, drinking a beer. Grilling's pretty awesome. It is, but it's almost better in the the spring because it's like sometimes if it's too hot, 
Now I got to stand in front of a hot grill on top of that, and I'm going to be sweating everywhere while I'm trying to cook these brats. That's no fun. Yeah, you have to sort of, you have to weigh it out, right? Like, do you want to stand over this $500 or this 500 degree grill while it's also 90 degrees? If you can get one of those mid 70 days, even, you know, lower 80s, perfect grill weather. Number seven. Bikinis. <laughs> Anything to add? Women in bikinis, for me personally. The more attractive, the better, as far as I'm concerned as well. This doesn't this doesn't correlate with your last list. You said you didn't want to see even people wearing shorts. You didn't want to see their legs at all. You don't want to see feet, but it's okay to I, wear When bikini? I was thinking about feet and shorts, I was thinking about men. <laughs> oh, so men specifically. Yes. You're sexist. Agreed. But women, I mean, Shanila, can you wear shorts? You want to wear the Daisy Dukes? Have at it. Bikini? No shorts at all? Why not? Bikinis coming at number seven. Number six. Number six, ice cream. Again, you can do this in the winter, but it's not going to be nearly as enjoyable. Have you had any ice cream yet this summer? I have. I love ice cream. I went so down and got, higher. I went down and got some ice cream uh, a couple weeks ago. It was nice out. Decided to walk down the street, went to a local creamery. Yeah, that's what they call them nowadays. Uh, I am just good with ice cream whenever. I'm one of the weird people who like... Played in the winter? Oh, yeah. Honestly, I might even like it better in the winter. Because it doesn't melt. Well, also in the summer, like, I'm not craving the the milky whatever like it's almost too thick in the summer i want to i want to refresh get a popsicle drink. then get a popsicle well maybe i will but they don't have popsicle shops do they well the ice cream truck has popsicles bomb yeah. pops you don't have to go out number and get it you can five. buy it from the store all right we're into the top five top 10 best things about summer number five beer tastes better <laughs> that's a fact some beers not all beers okay have i how about a side note okay and I like, I drink a lot of craft beer, but if you drink like exclusively like porters or stouts, <laughs> you're a tryhard. Yeah. But also like. You can have one every once right. in a while, but if no, that's, that's your go-to, yeah. you need to calm down. Like I'm good with a nice Guinness every now and then. Every but now have, and I then. I ain't having one in the summer when I walk out on my deck and it's I have Guinness degrees, right? once a year. It's What's on that? March 17th. Okay. Every single year. I think it's a good, like, winter beer. Anything darker like that. But, yeah, anything that's, like, a lighter beer, um, summer shandies. Mexican beer. Yes. Mexican What's your beer. Mexican beer? Maybe that's a different list. Modelo. Really? I don't know. Pacifico. Am I not, I am I not I nailing asking. it? Oh, okay. No, I, I felt like I got it. I got the yeah. answer incorrect. Oh. I didn't know this was a I don't quiz. Know. There is no right answer. It felt like you were no. judging me incorrectly. All right. Beer tastes better in the summer. That's number five. Number four. Number four, swimming pools or mm -hmm. any sort of outdoor aquatic activity. So this could be a water balloon fight. This could be a slip and slide. This could be cranking the top of a fire extinguisher and just having an... A, yeah, we don't really do that in this part of the country, but that'll be fun. Slip and slides are dangerous. People drown in pools. These are killing machines. Killing machines. I mean, people die in car accidents, so. Yeah, death machines. Why Swimming? do you think they're trying to make them self-driving? I think there's something just very nostalgic about the smell of chlorine. Yes. Because you think about, well, this is a perfect summer thing. 
you get out of the pool, you smell the chlorine, you eat a popsicle. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Even if the pool, even if it's so hot out in the pool, it's like not a, it's like an above ground pool, so that the, the the water's not even that cold. <laughs> it's just something nice about just getting wet in the summer. Where do you stand on like jacuzzis during the summer? So this is interesting. Uh, right outside my window, there's a little terrace at my apartment complex, and there's this, you know, they've got, there's a grill out there, and there's a bunch of seats, and nobody ever, 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 ever uses it. I can see it right from my living room window. There's never anybody out there, but they've got a hot tub out there, a community hot tub, and I think the only thing grosser than a hot tub is a community hot tub. Hot tubs feel great. But they're also disgusting, especially if it's not privately owned. If it's like a, now anybody can come. I've never seen one person sit in it, but also it's 90 degrees out every day. <laughs> but somebody has to go out there every single day, take the top off the hot tub, turn it on like they're paying for maintenance for something that is absolutely not getting used. Does that answer your question? Number three. All right, we're on to the metal stand. Top three things about the summer. Number three. Getting dressed every day is so much easier. You don't have to worry about what kind of shoes you're going to wear. Do I got to wear boots? You just wear tennis shoes every day, unless you're going to a job. But, like, I'm not talking about for work, okay? So that's different. If you have to dress a certain way for work, you're probably dressing the same all year round. But if we're talking about weekends, T-shirt, pants slash shorts, tennis shoes. When we're ball cap, that's fine. You can wear whatever you want during the summer. The wintertime... There's all sorts of other things to consider. Do I need to bring a stocking cap? Do I need to bring gloves? Do I need to bring waterproof shoes? You don't have to worry about any of that in the summer. Where are you going that you need waterproof shoes in the winter? Like boots, if it's snowing out or if it's okay. going to be like slushy, like you're not going to wear mesh tennis shoes. You know what it comes down to with uh, just easier to dress? It's just like more lazy, lazy wear. And that's what makes it easier. It's like gym shorts. T-shirts. Yeah. yeah, T-shirts and gym shorts. It's awesome. Number two. Number two, second best thing about summer, vacations. Summer vacation. What's better than a summer vacation? I would argue that this should not be on the list because a vacation anytime is great. But no, actually, better in the no, summer. no, worse. Worse. How? Well, sometimes. Um, like when we're, specifically here in Kansas, you would rather, you're telling me you would rather not have your vacation in the winter when it's like negative 10 degrees and you get to go to some beautiful tropical place. Yeah, but I don't really do that very often. I would rather... Well, wouldn't you rather do that? I Hypothetically, yeah. in this utopian society, in this world that I don't live in, yes. But I'm living in reality right now. This, this list is based in reality, and most people take vacations in the summer. That's when things are touristy. So you can go out and go to national parks, or you can go and do this and that during the summer. Summer vacation's number two. Number one. The number one thing. The number one thing amongst all else. The best thing about summer is it literally never snows. Snow sucks. You know why? Because then you have to wipe your shoes off when you go inside a building. You have to scrape your windshield. You have to warm your car up first. Snow disrupt it makes driving more difficult it disrupts so many things if you're a kid snow is awesome as an adult it's cool for like the first five minutes when it looks nice outside then everything after that sucks until that snow melts it never snows in the summer and that my friends is the best thing about summer mm. i wonder when the latest it's ever snowed like in kansas is well technically it could be early it could be snowing early 
like what yeah it could snow early like early for winter for the next winter that doesn't sound right how do you know time is a circle so how do you know <laughs> so whether it's early exist. or late summer is just a product of our imagination it, it is it is we've made it up it's conceived it only exists because we believe it to exist that's let's rank stuff he's derek johnson i'm nick schwartz you're listening to rock chuck sports talk <laughs>